This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hello and welcome to Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love. I'm Carmen Pate, your host for this podcast. Is faith alone in Christ alone all that is needed to secure eternal life? What about confession, repentance? Could it be that passages we have assumed tell us how to get to heaven actually have another meaning? Well, Dr. Dave Anderson is back with us today to help clear away the cobwebs of confusion regarding salvation. President of Grace School of Theology, Dr. Anderson is professor of Biblical Languages and Systematic Theology. He is a Biblical language scholar, having earned his doctorate in Greek New Testament and early Christian literature, and is an author of numerous books, including Triumph Through Trials, Portraits of Righteousness, Maximum Joy, and Free Grace Soteriology, our subject matter for today's podcast. Welcome back, Dr. Anderson. All right. Great to be with you again. Well, today we're going to continue our discussion of salvation from your teaching on the topic in the New Grace of God course. But Dr. Anderson, you have also written a book on this topic called Free Grace Soteriology, uh, which has been really helpful to me, I know, and I would encourage our listeners to get that book as well. But why did you feel the need to qualify free uh, grace as free? Uh, Great question, Carmen. I actually get that a lot uh, because they say, well, grace by definition is free. Yes. It's an unmerited favor, undeserved favor. So it's kind of like saying uh, grace, grace. Well, uh, we did that uh, because, as we mentioned in one of our prior po- podcasts, in Ephesians 2.8, it talks about grace and faith as saving us, but it goes on to qualify that. Uh, I think the Holy Spirit understood that everyone in the Christian life is going to attach themselves to the concept of grace um, in one form or another. The Roman Catholics talk about grace more than the Protestants do. The difference would be they say the sacraments are a means of getting that grace, Mm. where Protestants would say these sacraments don't even exist. They call them ordinances, memorials of what's been done for us, rather than a means of getting God's grace. So uh, uh, in Ephesians 2.8, he calls it the gift of God. Uh, And that word gift actually means free gift, no strings attached. Uh, And that word is used many times right next to grace. It's used uh, not only in Ephesians 2, but it's used in Ephesians 3, it's used in Romans 3, it's used in Romans 5, three different times to say it's free. And even in uh, Revelation 21, verse 6, he says, Whosoever is a thirst, let him come and drink of the water of life. Freely. Mm-hmm. Now, the word grace isn't in there, but that word freely is the same word used in Romans uh, 3, same word used in Romans 5, same word used in Ephesians 2, same word used in Ephesians 3. So the Holy Spirit has put some qualifications on this word grace, and the qualification is that it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a free gift. A free gift. No strings attached. All right. Don't do anything to get it. Don't do, have to do anything once you've received it. Yeah. Absolutely free. 
So if salvation is a free gift, no strings attached, as you say, on the front end or the back end, uh, yet we hear folks who say that, well, if you believe in that salvation is by faith alone, Christ alone, that's it, period, uh, that's too simple. That's, that's easy believism. Why is there this controversy? Well, uh, by easy believism, they're saying there are a number of things you have to do along with your faith, or they'll even define faith as including works. In fact, a couple of modern-day scholars are actually making works part of the essence, part of the makeup of saving faith. Now, we would say, my goodness, that's a huge contradiction because faith and works are contrasted in Romans 4 and other places. But they're so uh, insistent that works be part of our process of going to heaven that uh, they bring them right into the definition of faith. Those who don't go quite that far still say you have to have the works as proof uh, that you had the right kind of faith to begin with, Mm -hmm. that you're actually one of God's elect. So there's this drive of the flesh that we have toward legalism, and that's getting works in there somehow so we can win God's favor and win his uh, entrance to heaven, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, our, our last podcast titled, What Must I Do to Be Saved? You pointed out that there are passages that are talking about discipleship of believers that are being used by some theologians to add requirements for obtaining eternal life. Um, so we want to look at an example of that. But but first, let's clarify the difference between a believer in Christ and a disciple in Christ. Because I think oftentimes when we the, the passages that will talk about disciples, then people assume, well, that means, you know, we uh, we are these are, are this is simply the way to become a disciple to, be, to so how to get to heaven. So help us to understand the difference in, in the two. Well, of course, many people say a Christian is a disciple. There's no difference. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple. If you're a disciple, you're a Christian. If you're not a disciple, you're not a Christian. But Jesus makes a huge contrast in Luke 14 between the gift that's absolutely free for the supper, where the Lord of the supper had paid for the supper and wanted his house to be full, so he told his servants to go out and strongly persuade people to come in. And then uh, he turns right around to the crowd and says, now, wait a minute. Uh, if you want to be my disciple, you have to hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, even your own life, uh, or don't go down discipleship road. So on the one hand, he's strongly persuading people to come and get the free meal. Yeah. On the other hand, he's strongly dissuading people, discouraging people from going down discipleship road. They say, why, that can't be true. We know he wants us to make disciples. At the end of Matthew, he says to his own to go out and make disciples of all nations. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, a disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Jesus would love to have everyone he ever created to be a fully devoted follower, one of his disciples. But he also knows that discipleship requires self-denial. That's why in other passages, like Matthew 16, he says, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, Mm -hmm. take up his cross, and follow me. Now, that cross wasn't just metaphorical. Uh, He's talking about the fact that they may die uh, through crucifixion if they followed 
discipleship road. So, so count the cost. Yeah, yeah, count the cost. Uh, so we would say that uh, a Christian is anyone who has accepted the invitation to the meal, has received the free gift of the meal, and the meal would be, in this case, in that parable, uh, would be receiving eternal life through Christ. However, um, to be his disciple, that's a whole different ballgame. You count the cost. Uh, you say, am I willing to say goodbye to this and this and this and this and this? And if the answer is no, you don't start down the road. Mm. You, you you said a word, too, and talk about eternal life. And that's also a term that we, that we get confused sometimes in our Christian circles. We assume that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, that eternal life means going to heaven. Uh, and yet there are the others who would say, well, everyone's going to live eternally. Everyone will have eternal life. Uh, uh, could you give us some clarification on what we mean by eternal life? Well, okay. I don't know anyone who says everyone will have eternal life except those who teach what we call universalism. Yes. And they teach that all human beings will ultimately be with God forever, whether they accepted Christ or not. Some teach that they have a second chance after death to receive him. Uh, some even include the demons and the, and the devil in this, that God created them also. And a loving God wouldn't allow anyone, including the, uh, Satan, to suffer uh, forever. Uh, so the, the right concept, I think, is that every created being exists forever. So unbelievers exist forever. Believers exist forever. Believers exist with God forever. Unbelievers exist without God forever. So the issue isn't linear time. It isn't how long you exist. You might say it's not the quantity of your existence, but rather it's the quality of your existence. Mm. And, and the amazing thing in Scripture is it says you get your first installment of that kind of quality of life right now, meaning the moment you trust in Jesus. Yes. He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son has not life. And, you know, even John, which uh, is talking about... Uh, how to have eternal life, also says in the beginning in John uh, 1.4 and in, at the end in uh, John 20.31 that uh, he wants us to have life. And in those two passages, he doesn't say eternal life. Uh, he wants us to have life. Uh, but I think he's talking about the same thing. It's this quality of life, and that's where John 10.10b would fit in. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He doesn't say I came that you might have eternal life, have it more abundantly. But he's talking about this quality of life, this eternal life. And amazingly, so it can get better and better and better. Mm. It's not just like, uh, all right, I believe in Jesus. Ka-ching, the cast register of heaven opens up. He gives me a couple of uh, eternal life uh, bills. Right. And uh, says, okay, you're in. That's not it. Uh, he might give me my first one, you might say. And he says, this is going to be a new way of living you've never experienced before. This is going to be... Uh, where you can have fellowship with God right now. Right now. Don't have to wait till you die. But then it says, now, if you want to follow him, if you want to go down his path, uh, you get more of these bills. Now, the cast register can open every day for you, and you get more and more of this quality of life. Yes. It's a fascinating concept. Oh, it is. And I think it's very motivating 
to uh, to recognize that, you know, I think people think, well, I, I, I have been thinking about Jesus and and trusting him. And maybe when I get older, when I settle down, maybe before I die. But wow, they're missing out on the opportunity to mm-hmm. have that uh, that change when we become new mm-hmm. creations in him. Yeah, listen, listen to this passage. He who sows to his flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption? Mm-hmm. He who sows to the spirit, will of the spirit reap everlasting life, eternal life? Now, the context of that passage, which is Galatians 6, is talking about giving money. It's one of my favorite passages because it says, <laughs> let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Who teaches. So it says, support your pastors. So really kind of what it says. And he goes right in and says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that will he also reap. Mm-hmm. He really saying, if you give your money, you will reap eternal life. Now, uh, don't get mixed up there. I'm not saying you can buy eternal life in the sense of, again, putting God in your own debt or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it is saying that uh, you will reap a richer, fuller, more meaningful life when you learn to give your money away. And wouldn't you say, too, to take that a step further, it's not just about money. You know, it'd be, it would be your time, your talent, your treasures, I always say. Mm-hmm. So it's being investing all of those things. That's true. But where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Mm. And uh, there's a special blessing, I think, that goes to people who've learned to be givers. Because yeah. our natural tendency is to hoard. We're, we, we're coming in the world completely selfish. It's me, me, me. Mm. Like old McDonald's wife, you know. Right, uh, right. But uh, uh, God wants to turn that around to a the, the, the. It's <laughs> all about right. him. That's so right. That, that involves giving your life to serve him. And, and uh, heck, giving money is part of that. It truly is. By the way, this well, is not a plea to give money. No, no. I'm just stating a principle yeah. on internal yes. life here. Yes, it's a, it's a, that's a good one. Well, let's get back now to our discussion as on faith alone, Christ alone. Uh, let's let's talk about the fact that of what what it is we're believing, what it is when we say, well, you need to believe in Jesus Christ. One of our listeners, as a matter of fact, Stephanie from Akron, Ohio, she asked, what is one believing that is salvific in Romans 3.22? Now, that passage, Dr. Anderson, beginning in verse 21, says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, and then verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. And so I guess her question is, when, when we tell someone you just you need to believe, well, what is it we're telling them they need to believe? Well, uh, this says faith in, in uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, that's it. Uh, and of course, in, in John, which is written to help us have this kind of life, uh, he uses that word, as we've said, 99 times. And uh, 33 times in the first uh, 13 chapters, he uses pistuo ace, which is a, uh, a Greek phrase that was coined by the New Testament writers to mean a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. The words mean believe in, mm-hmm. believe in. Sometimes it's believe in the name of Jesus, uh, but uh, sometimes it's just, you know, believe in Jesus Christ. So here it's just faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, now, when you say that, well, what about Jesus Christ? Well, the person and work of Christ. Yes. Uh, he's God, uh, meaning uh, if he's going to make a sacrifice sufficient for the whole world, the sins of the whole world, he's got to be more than one man. Mm-hmm. 
One man might die for another man, but not for the whole world. Mm -hmm. So an infinite being can give an infinite sacrifice. That's why his death is sufficient to cover the sins of every human being who ever has or ever will live. So you have to believe he's God. And then the work that he did, that he died in your place for your sins. I take your sin barrier away Mm -hmm. between you and God. And it goes on here uh, right after this and talks about our sin problem and says, there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then it goes into free grace, being justified freely. There's your word, Doreon again, by his grace. Mm. And so... Ah, very clear. Very clear. Yes. Well, thank you, Stephanie, for your question. We're going to be doing our best to regularly answer questions from our listeners. Our guest today is Dr. Dave Anderson, president of Grace School of Theology, professor of biblical languages and systematic theology here at Grace, and the author of Free Grace Soteriology. We're discussing, we're discussing salvation by faith alone in Christ alone today. Well, Dr. Anderson, Stephanie's question regarding Romans 3 really segues into uh, our examination of Scripture today uh, used for telling folks how to get to heaven when they die. And, you know, there are so many different evangelistic methods out there that have been used. And one that many are familiar with is the Romans Road, which we know begins with Romans 3.23. Uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, we know then also following that is Romans 6, 23. And uh, matter of fact, you were pointing out prior to our program, and I, I hadn't thought of this, so I certainly want us to talk about it. Romans uh, 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So now, if we are sharing the gospel, are we still on the right path here in explaining what it means to uh, how to get to heaven? Well, Romans 6.23 can be applied to an unbeliever. But the context is king again. The context is this is a promise to believers. You know, he left the non-Christian back in chapter 4, or I should say left him when the when he became a believer through justification by faith. Right. Abraham believed in God and was reckoned unto him for righteousness. That's Romans 4, verse 3. So when you get to Romans 5, verse 1, it says, therefore, having been justified. Okay, so from that point on, we're talking about believers. who Correct. That he's Okay. And he says, here are the things you have. You have peace with God. You have present access with God. You've got love of God poured out by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You've got all these blessings right now since you've been justified. Since you've been justified. So he swings away from the subject of justification, which Mm -hmm. we might say is how you get to heaven, into sanctification, which we might say is how you get heaven on earth. Mm. You swing away from the salvation from the penalty of sin in chapter 4 to salvation from the power of sin in chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. So when you're into chapter 6, you're well into the section on how to be freed from the power of sin. And he says, starting in verse 15, that uh, you can join uh, uh, one of two armies. You can join an army because it's your choice now. Once you're a Christian, you don't have to serve in Satan's army. Mm -hmm. You can switch over to God's army. But it says, if you choose of your own choice to serve in Satan's army, then every day you'll get a ration Hopsonia was the word here in Greek. 
And this opsonia was, in that day and time, for a mercenary soldier was salt and fish, salt and fish. That's how they stayed alive. They were motivated to go into battle to divide the spoils, to get booty. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was their motivation. But they were kept alive by salt and fish. So what he's saying here is if you choose to join or to be part of Satan's army, uh, in, in reality, in, in this case, it's mm-hmm. the, the sin nature he's talking about is the general. Right. Under Satan serves the sin nature. Because <laughs> this is talking about how to be free from the power of the sin nature. If you serve to choose, uh, uh, if you choose to serve under him, your daily ration will be death. Now, what do we mean by that death? Well, that's the living death of First Timothy 5, 5, where the widow who lived for pleasure was dead though she lived. That's the depression that comes from defeat. That's the discouragement that comes from the defeat. That's the agony of defeat. That's the death that Paul talks about as he gets to the end of Romans 7. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? So really, Romans 7 is trying to explain what he just said. That's why he starts off in verse one of chapter seven saying, or do you not know? So he goes on to try to explain that. Now, by contrast, uh, you don't get a daily ration from God because that would mean uh, we can put him in debt. We can never put God in debt. The attempt to do so is what we call legalism. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to get us out of legalism. So rather than a opsonia, a daily ration, it says the gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, there's another example where it's talking about a quality of life that you get every day so if, if you're walking with Christ. So to take that passage, okay, for the wages of sin is death. So we're saying, okay, if you want to live in sin, which is your choice, okay, so the the wages, what you will get for that is really death, and, and as you mentioned, that, uh, and, and we, we've all been there, uh, or at least I can speak for myself, you know, where you're, de- you don't, you're depressed, there's no joy, there's uh, stress, anxiety, sickness sometimes, uh, and, and could even mean physical death, I assume, I mean, uh, if you don't turn from that sin, right? Uh, right. Okay. Again, again, context is king. If you just yes. go back to verse 20 here, it says, okay. For when you were slaves of sin, that means the sin nature, taste harmatios is what the Greek says here, and that haste makes it the sin nature. Yes. Uh, so when you were his slaves or in his army, you were freed with regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. 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 But now, by contrast, having been set free from the sin nature, having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. That's right now. You right now have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. Uh, so uh, either you have to, you have to uh, turn everlasting life into some sort of reward you get when you die, or you say it's a present experience. And then verse 23 is trying to explain what he just said. He makes it a daily experience as soon as he puts wages in here. Mm -hmm. That puts it as the daily ration of the sin nature Mm -hmm. is death. Now, whatever that comes after that is the opposite of that. Yes. So your daily experience with God, should you choose to serve Christ as your uh, general, get in his army, is eternal life. I almost wish they had translated this or made it uh, uh, spiritual life Mm. in contrast to uh, anything that's not spiritual, because it, it's a quality of life that the unbeliever doesn't know yes. or the defeated Christian hasn't experienced as well. 
Absolutely. Well, as we continue down that Roman road that's often used for sharing the gospel message, uh, we come to Romans 10, 9 and 10. And now this is interesting, Dr. Anderson, because we're talking about faith alone in Christ alone. And yet Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Seems to me we have a dilemma here <laughs> regarding <laughs> faith alone. Why do you think we have a dilemma? Uh, well, what about that word confession? Isn't that a work that we're adding to this gospel message? Well, it would look that way. And I think, uh, I think most commentaries will say, no, this is just the uh, expression of genuine faith. So they wouldn't look at it as a work. However, if you just compare it to, say, circumcision, which is all, always treated as a work mm-hmm. uh, in Galatians and in Romans, then uh, what can you say about circumcision? Well, it, it's a physical act. It's done by physical means, a knife. Uh, it's physically observable. There's a physical agent, the one who does the uh, uh, circumcising. Well, what about confession? Is it a physical act? Yes. Is it, does it have a physical, uh, I started to say mediator, but agent? Does it have yes, a physical yes. agent? Yeah, the person confessing. Right. Is it observable? It is. Sure, by, mm-hmm. it's either auditory, you might even see their lips moving. Right. Uh, that has all the characteristics of, of a work. And so it is problematic, and a lot of the commentaries will just skip right over it. If you put this to, uh, in some sort of equation, just well, verse 10 here, with the heart, one believes to righteousness, then we'd say, well, that's A. And with the mouth, confession is made, well, that's B. And then equals salvation, that's C. Well, that makes it look like it's faith plus works equals go to heaven. Mm-hmm. So when you see that, we say, oops, we have a problem. Yes. So you back up and say, well, wait a minute. Maybe this salvation is not salvation from the penalty of sin. Mm. And so you look up right in front of it in verse 9, you see the word saved. And you say, okay. Um, where else is that word used in this book? That's how you figure out what words mean. So you go back and you your concordance and you look up saved and voila, you find the very first use of this word is in chapter five. You don't have the word saved in chapter four. Verse four is about how to go to heaven. It's justification. Abraham believed it's counted to him for righteousness. So it's not until chapter five uh, that He's you, talking to believers. Right, you're in the sanctification section. So what's he say in chapter 5? Well, I'll just, I'd love to, because for time's sake we don't have much, yes. but I'll just look at verse 10. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the faith, through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled. Mm-hmm. Is that past, present, or future? Having yeah, been it's past. It's past. Uh-huh. If they died, would they go to heaven? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It goes on and says, we shall be saved. Oops. Past, present, or future. Yeah, that's 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 future. future. Yes. So this salvation he's talking about here is different from reconciliation or justification. Both things done in the past. So that would lead us to believe he's now talking about sanctification and deliverance from the power of sin, the sin nature, Mm -hmm. not deliverance from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is hell. Or if you want to say the lake of fire. Uh, but the power of sin is talking about the sin nature that you'll live with the rest of your life on earth. 
And you can be delivered from that power or you can be a slave to it. Now, one more thing on this, then I'll leave it alone. How were we reconciled to God? It says through the death of his son. How will we be saved? It says by his life. That's huge. That is a swing from justification to sanctification, a swing from reconciliation to sanctification. In other words, the hardest thing in the world for an unbeliever to believe is the substitutionary death of Christ. But the hardest thing in the world for a believer to believe is the substitutionary life life of Christ. And it's Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's what these chapters are about, is how to shift from the self-life of Romans 7 to the spiritual life or the Christ life of Romans 8. And that's where the victory comes from. Victory wow. over what? Over the power of sin. So when you go back to Romans 10, mm-hmm. he's talking about, as you go further in the passage, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, that word saved is still talking about Deliverance from the power of sin. And if you look up calling on the name of the Lord in the Bible, you'll find it's always associated with public worship. Mm -hmm. So the first act of public worship for a new believer would be go get baptized. And when you get baptized, you're confessing Jesus Christ openly with your mouth as your Savior. That is a good step down discipleship road, a good step down road toward freedom from the power of sin. So we're not against, we're not against the Roman road. We would just say it goes further than getting into heaven. And it's just important to go back to that context of, is it justification, is it sanctification that we're discussing? And and it just, it's uh, Mm -hmm. the salvation of Romans that he talks about in 116. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the Greek. That salvation includes salvation from more than just the penalty. It's also salvation from the power. That's why in those theme verses of Romans one, for the book, he says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Well, who are the just? It's the, believers. the believers. What do I mean from faith to faith? Well, your initial faith is when you're justified. Further acts of faith are when you're sanctified. Mm. It starts with the salvation from the penalty of sin, winds up with salvation from the power of sin, it's a full-orbed salvation that he's talking about in this book. Wow. Well, it's so much more clear when we t- do look at the uh, original con- the context that it was written, who the audience is, the language, uh, understanding the, the terms. Dr. Anderson, thank you so much. And I know our listeners may, go, may be thinking, wow, this was really deep today. But we just encourage you to uh, check out Grace School of Theology. You have opportunity to learn more, particularly through this new course, The Grace of God. And uh, again, I highly recommend Dr. Anderson's book, Free Grace Soteriology. So uh, thank you again for taking time to explain what you could in this short uh, time that we have today. Well, we uh, do hope that uh, you will continue to join us. We've just scratched the surface of the issue of salvation, uh, but you can learn more about this podcast through the Grace School of Theology. We'd love to get your feedback about our discussion today. We've set up a couple of ways for you to communicate with us. 
You can email your questions or comments to savinggrace at gsot.edu. We're going to share those on future podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, talk to us there, or get updates on new podcasts and events. Our handle is at SavingGraceCast. Be sure to tell others about our podcast. It's a great way to introduce family and friends to God's amazing grace. Thanks for tuning in today. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.